0: This week, we continue working through the story of Joseph. Last week, we saw how that whole family was just one big heaping pile of dysfunction. This week, we're going to see what happens uh, when that dysfunction springs to action. We're going to see that things don't always turn out the way that we had intended. And we know that, right? Like, we just lived through a year where everything got turned on its head, and we're still trying to figure out what the new normal is. And so as we live in that reality, that things don't turn out the way that we wanted or the way that we originally intended, it is encouraging to come across stories like this in the Bible where we get to see how God's hand does not leave us when our plans do. Now the uh, the texts in this series are pretty long. Some of them will be whole chapters, and so I'm going to do some summarizing of the text and then focus on the verses that we'll be hitting for the week. So when we pick up with the story of Joseph, we know that this family is dysfunctional. Joseph is a brat, Jacob is playing favorites, and the rest of the brothers can't stand the kid walking around in the cloak that displays his father's affection. Our story starts today with Joseph's brothers having taken their father's flocks up near Sechem. Now, I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing that right, but that's where they went. This is 50 miles north of where their father's camp is, which is approximately a five-day journey. So it's not close, like these, these brothers are with the flocks way far away, like not, not close. And added to that, some of the brothers, Simeon and Levi, had just recently brought a bloody massacre to the Sechemites. So this is not a safe journey. It was loaded with peril. And yet Jacob sends his favorite son, decked out in the special robe all by himself, to check on the flocks and the brothers watching over them. And the hand of the Lord is with Joseph, because he arrives to the spot where the brothers were supposed to be unscathed, except that the brothers were no longer there. What's the guy supposed to do, right? It's not like the brothers have GPS on them. There are no cell phones with which to communicate. Joseph is five days journey from home in a hostile land by himself with no way of figuring out where he is supposed to go when a man just approaches him. Dude just shows up. We don't know anything about this man other than that he showed up and apparently he's a total eavesdropper because he knows exactly where the brothers are for he overheard them talking about where they were going to go. All this works out pretty good for Joseph so he heads to where this strange eavesdropping man directs him which is another 14 miles north to Dothan. And his brothers are still there and and they see him coming from a ways off. And this is where we will pick up with our text this morning. We'll be reading Genesis chapter 37 verses 18 to 36. Genesis 37:18 to36. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. "Here comes that dreamer," they said to each other. "Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern, into the well here in the wilderness. Don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and then to take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe that he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. And the cistern was empty, for there was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. The camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and and cover up his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, The boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornate robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it to see whether it was your son's robe. He recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of the Pharaoh's officials and the captain of the guard. Thus ends the very long reading this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you would speak through your word this morning, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. I pray this in your name. Amen. In the summer of 2007, a band that I was in moved from Olympia, Washington to North Tonawanda, New York, a suburb of Buffalo. We had big plans. We had big dreams. The reason that we had chosen North Tonawanda as our relocation point was that we were planning on helping a church there that was pastored by a close friend of mine. But the underlying reason, the reason that there were nine 20-somethings moving across the country together wasn't so much the church work as it was that we were trying to make our band work. We got to North Tonawanda and things were harder than we had hoped that they would be, but we had energy and passion and the determination to make this whole thing work out. And we were making some decent progress. We were getting to know the area, getting to know the music scene. We were building momentum And then Christmas happened. My grandparents were living in Paramus, New Jersey at the time, and so most of our group drove the six hours across New York State and celebrated with me and my family. But our drummer, he flew home, back to Washington to be with his family, and more importantly, with his girlfriend, whom he had not seen for four months. Christmas Eve, I got the phone call. Our drummer was not coming back to New York. He was going to stay with his family and with his little lady. He told me that he was sorry, but that this was the decision that he had to make, and I understood that, right? Like, I understood his desire to stay home. I understood his need to be with those closest to his heart. But where did that leave me? Where did that leave the rest of the band? We played post-hardcore music, which means harder guitar riffs, heavy drums, and a decent amount of screaming, and we did not have a drummer, which is the backbone of the band. What were we going to do? Why had we come here? What was going to happen to us now? One thing we knew, and that was the biggest reason for us uprooting our lives and moving somewhere else across the country, thousands of miles from safety and security, that reason, the band, the music, that needed to be put on hold. Sometimes the things that happen in our lives are outside of our control. Sometimes plans change. In our text this morning, we see quite a few plans that get totally ruined. We've got Joseph who has to go an extra 14 miles farther than he originally thought he had to go to find his brothers. We've got the brothers who decide that they're going to go from shepherds to murderers and then end up as slavers. There is Reuben, who decides that he is going to enact an undercover operation to betray the plans of his murderous brothers, only to have those plans blow up in his face. And then there's Jacob, who sends Joseph on a simple fact-finding mission, expecting to see his son in a couple weeks, only to resign himself to mourning Joseph's death for the rest of his life. Sometimes plans change. Now, we could talk about any of the characters in this story for the rest of the message, but the two that we're going to focus on this morning are Joseph and Reuben. Since he's the main character, we naturally find ourselves relating to Joseph. Sure, we reason, Joseph has his issues, right? He's a self-centered brat, but he definitely doesn't deserve to be beaten, to be attacked by his brothers, to have his clothes torn off, and then be thrown naked into a well. Furthermore... No matter how annoying or how frustrating he was as a brother, he did not deserve to be sold into slavery. And that's kind of how we see ourselves sometimes, right? Like there are things that happen to us that that we don't deserve. Sure, I've got my issues, we admit. I've got my warts. I've I've got some things that, that people don't like about me, but that doesn't mean that I deserve all these bad things that are happening to me. And while I understand and relate to the sentiment when we, think that we, when we think that way, we are missing the boat. Just like Joseph and Job before him, God uses the hard things in our lives for his glory. Maybe, like Job, God will be using that hardship that you are experiencing, that hardship that you do not feel that you have earned, to continue to build his relationship with you. And maybe, like Joseph, God will be using that hardship that you are experiencing, that hardship that you do not feel that you have earned, to bring untold blessing to you, your family, to your neighbor, and ultimately to the kingdom of God. Maybe your journey of hardship is not about you, but about how God is going to be using you for the purposes of his kingdom. And man, do we struggle with that. How many of us want to be used this way? How many of us want to go through hardship so that we can relate to others going through hardship? How many of us are excited about the difficult paths that we have to walk so that we might mature in the ways that God uses to bring us, to bring others, sorry, into the kingdom? How many of us enjoy this? I can tell you it's not fun. It's not my favorite way that God works in my life but I'm willing and able to recognize that it is God working in my life. At least, I'm able to do that after a while once I've calmed down and stopped raging or crying or I've had someone come alongside me and point me in the direction of God's word and the way that he works in the lives of his children. And so as we struggle with what God sometimes allows to happen, let us look back on this story of Joseph and be reminded of how God used a boy who was betrayed was thrown naked and bloody into a well, and then sold into slavery. How God used that boy, God used Joseph, to turn around and save not only those who bought him, but also those who sold him. We do not know the purposes that God has for our hardship, but always it is God who is to be glorified. And as much as I relate to Joseph at times, wondering why God would have me struggle in the way that he does, I think I find myself even more often relating to Reuben. Reuben, the eldest brother, the firstborn of Jacob. Of any of them, he had the most to be angry at Joseph for. Joseph had been given the birthright that was rightfully Reuben's. And yet in our text this morning, we read that Reuben didn't want Joseph to be killed. He is the one that stopped the murder. He is the one that devised the plan of throwing Joseph into the cistern, the well, that he might later return and rescue him and bring his other, his, this younger brother home to their father, Jacob. But Reuben's plans are foiled when he goes out to take care of the flock and the enterprising Judah spots a caravan coming through and he suggests to the brothers that they should not kill Joseph. He's their own flesh and blood, after all. So why not just sell him into slavery instead? Then he's no longer their problem, but they also don't have to kill him to get him out of their hair. Plus, they make a couple bucks on the side. It's kind of a nice win-win situation. And so, without Reuben knowing it, the brothers sell Joseph into slavery. And when Reuben returns, when he hears the story his brothers tell him, he tears his clothes and cries out in anguish, Where can I turn now? Reuben had a plan to get himself out of trouble and back into good graces with his father. Reuben was going to make everything right. Reuben was going to save Joseph. He was going to fix it. He was going to make things right, and then the plan fell apart. Anyone else besides me able to relate to Reuben? Anyone else have times where they know they've messed up? They know that they've done some things that have put them in a bad place? put them in a bad position, but they're not super worried about it because they've got a plan. They've got a plan to make things better, to make things right between them and God. I'm going to pray more, right? Or I'm going to make sure I'm at church every Sunday. Or instead of the suggested 10% tithe, man, I 12% this month, baby. I'm going to stop this particular secret sin that I've kept doing, but, but no more, man. I'm done. I'm, I'm going to do the opposite. I'll, I'll earn my way back into the good graces of God. I'll actually follow the Ten Commandments. I'll care more about the law. I've got a plan. A plan to earn my way back in, to get my birthright back. A plan that will set everything right between me and God. But plans change, don't they? No matter what our plan may have been, no matter what we had promised ourselves we were going to start doing or stop doing, no matter what the plan was, forces outside our control stop it. Just as Reuben's brother sold his plan away from right under his nose, so the sin in our lives stops our plans to earn our way back into God's good graces dead in their tracks. And we're left to echo the cry of Reuben, where can I turn now? I tried. I did the best I could, and yet I have failed. I have failed so epically that I can't imagine how God could ever bring me into his house as a beggar, getting the scraps that the dogs are finished with. How could he ever accept me as his child with a place at his table? What Reuben could not see is that God had a plan for him, that God had already provided for him. For though Reuben's plan fell apart, God's plan could not be stopped. And God's plan was much bigger than Reuben's plan could ever have been. God's plan for Joseph was not to use him to restore one person, but to use him to save nations. Our measly works, our plans are designed to save, to restore one person, ourselves. But God has enacted a plan, not just to save nations, but the world. For our works have no hope of saving us. And so God gave us someone who could. The God who sent Joseph to Egypt sent Jesus to the world. He sent his perfect son into this imperfect and broken planet, And here Jesus lived with us, ate with us, and knew hunger and thirst with us. Here Jesus felt too cold and too hot. Here Jesus felt his muscles ache and blisters form on his feet. Here Jesus lived with us. But more than that, here Jesus died for us. He did not die an honorable death, but instead a cursed one, for he died on a cross, the death of a thief, the death of a murderer. And on that cross, he carried the sin of the entire world. All that sin that you were trying to make up for. All that sin that you thought you could try to make go away with a few good works. All that sin that you realized you could do nothing to erase. Jesus took all of that sin upon himself when he died. He died for it. And so on that cross, Jesus took our penalty. He took our punishment. And three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, conquering sin and death. And the Bible tells us that when we believe in him, when we rest in the truth of this work on our behalf and our need of it, when we rest in the faith that God gives us, then we are saved. We are saved not from the temporary hardships of the world, but from the eternal penalty of sin. For through faith, Christ takes the dirty rags of our sin, and he gives us righteousness through faith. In Christ, we are reconciled to God through faith. In Christ, we are brought into his family and into relationship with him. Where can I turn now? We cry. To the cross. We can turn to the cross. For in the cross lies our hope. When our drummer told us that he was leaving, all our well-played, well-laid plans fell apart. So we did what band members in their 20s who can't actually play in their band do. We played a lot more video games. One game in particular, uh, a game that I had played for a few years, a game by the name of World of Warcraft. This is an online game where you can meet and play with people all over the world. And one day I randomly met a character in the game. We had a good time, we built up a nice little online friendship. And as you build that friendship online, you get to know more and more about a person. And soon, I found out that this particular random acquaintance was a Christian and a drummer. After a lot of questioning and a lot of prayer, we asked him if he would be willing to drive from his home in Michigan to our home in North Tonawanda in addition for our band. And man, this kid slayed it. He was fantastic. And before long, he was living in my spare bedroom, and we were rocking out back on track, the plan restored. But this plan was way bigger than us. You see, my sister came out to visit us after this drummer joined the band. And partially because of that visit, when we all knew that our time in Buffalo was done and it was time to return home to Washington, our drummer did not return home to Michigan, but instead came back with us. A few years later, I had one more bandmate, who was also a brother-in-law. Just because a plan falls apart does not mean it's going to be a bad ending. Sometimes the ending is better than you could have ever imagined it would be. Did I want to play music for a living? Absolutely I did. Do I wish those plans had all worked out? Sometimes. But though we never made it big with the band, I got something I never thought I would. A brother. A brother that I love deeply and wouldn't trade for anything. I don't know what God is going to do with your broken plans. I don't know what he is going to make of the pieces, but what I do know is that there is no one else that I would rather trust them to. As Adriana read this morning from Isaiah 55, my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. When you are being Joseph and you feel like you've been wronged by God, by others, by life in general, trust and rest in the thoughts and ways of the Lord, for he knows more and sees farther than we ever will. But also know and trust that God can use all of the evil that befalls you for his purpose and his plan to bring about his kingdom. And when you are being Reuben... And you realize that you've fallen short and you don't know where to turn. Turn to the cross. Respond to the call of the Lord on your life, the call to repentance, the call to confession, and bask in the grace and forgiveness that our Heavenly Father pours out over you. For we can always turn to Him. What a fantastic, loving, amazing, and faithful God we serve. Amen.